0: Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Luke chapter 15, verses 31 and 32. Hey everybody! I'm Chris Dowd,
1: and I'm Reagan Gilliland,
0: and this is Off Script a podcast, where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. I'm back last week. You and Stephanie did a joint podcast, did a together podcast because y'all preached on different things.
1: We did, but it actually came together quite nicely. Excellent. Same author. Same some, author. Some
0: themes that are not inconsistent with each other. Correct. Excellent. I watched your sermon. It was fantastic. You did a great job. Thank you. I even referenced it in one of the sermons. I know. On Sunday. That was a shout out just to you.
1: hmm
0: And then I looked in the text for where he lifted up his robe, and I'm like, she made that up. I
1: don't make things up. You
0: definitely <laughs> made that up. <laughs> or some commentator, some commentary. Yeah. Where'd you, seriously, where'd you get that?
1: Um, I think, I've heard that before, but... By some other people that have preached, I know Scott knew about it because he had preached on it recently, and so I think in some commentaries or something. Got it. Yeah,
0: got it. Got it. All right. Well, talking about the same parable, same, prodigal son, same one. The assignment was for me to take a different angle. Mm-hmm. So you, you you focused on the younger I brother. Did. I did. The wayward one. Uh huh. The bad son.
1: In quotes. I did quotes. I did quotes. You did quotes. You yeah. Quotes. yeah. yeah.
0: But, the unworthy son. Yes. There are no the bad kids. The dead beat, son.
1: There are no bad kids. Just just just
0: <laughs> uh, Ask the older brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: as a senior sibling. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. As the oldest. Of the, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So we did a, I did an address last week why you weren't there. And then like in I Well, I was gonna text you. I'm like, He's busy. I don't wanna be like yeah. well, last Saturday. Hey, should we talk about it? <laughs> I was, everybody
0: thought I had COVID or something.
1: Because your family was all there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure they were like, Where is he? Mm. I mean, I could have made some jokes like he slept in, he slept. <laughs> I don't know, so many options. You missed an opportunity. I really did. But why don't you say where you were last week?
0: Yes. So there's this thing called Leadership Plano, and it's not, that's not an unusual thing. Like there are leadership um, cohorts in lots of towns all over. I think there's like hundreds actually all over Texas. Mm-hmm. And Leadership Plano, uh, this is the 39th year that they've done this class. Don Underwood, my predecessor mm-hmm. for anybody who's brand new. Um, was in Leadership Plano class number two. Okay. So we were 37 years. He was here for 37 years. We were 37 years apart. So uh, Matt Gaston, colleague of ours, Mm -hmm. friend of mine at First Plano, had recommended when we first moved here to apply for Leadership Plano um, because it's a great way to meet other community leaders and just kind of people who are involved in the community. But year one... There's a lot going on. We're trying to get the kids settled. I didn't know about like, practice schedules for their sports or anything like that, and I just, I don't miss their sports stuff. So then it was COVID, and we were all trying to dig out from that. So this year it worked out that I um, could apply. I was accepted, and it was it's really, really exciting. So some of the other people in this class, and this is all public information, um, the assistant or associate director of uh, the ACLU for Collin County mm. as part of our class, the CEO of Hope Store part of our class. Um, Tamara Thomas, who works, uh, does uh, Douglas Visions in the Douglas community, part of that class. Then there's, you know, some bankers and some of the medical profession and some elected officials and stuff like that. So um, the year kicks, it's a year-long class uh, once a month. Um, On a Thursday, you spend all day doing a deep dive on one particular aspect of the community. So, you know, there's a one month where you focus on public service, one month when you focus on like rescue like fire and rescue Mm -hmm. one on medical one on school board and the whole year kicks off with a two-day retreat and so we actually went to Bridgeport did I tell you that so we uh the the part that I was so I'm like 50 50 introvert extrovert right Sunday morning I love hanging out you know mingling all that kind of stuff and then you know 1205 I'm ready to be done go home watch football and all that so the, the one thing I was dreading was the bus ride. I'm like, oh, Lord, they're going <laughs> to randomly, uh, randomly assign them. I'm, I'm going to have to make small talk for an hour and a half out to yeah. Bridgeport at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning. I was mm-hmm. not looking forward to that. But they, um, they actually assigned us seatmates, and then you did the speed dating thing where you asked them, uh, air quotes on the speed dating, where you ask um, questions about you know who they are, what they're passionate about, that kind of thing. And then you introduced each other, and it took the entire bus ride, which was okay. great. And my randomly assigned seatmate, is tamra thomas mm-hmm. who is advising max on his eagle project in the douglas visions awesome yeah it was awesome it was it was awesome it was just a terrific so day one was at uh, bridgeport and they did the clifton what do we call strength, it Strengths finders yeah 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 uh it was somebody from smu mm-hmm. their external um education division or whatever uh came and did that which was great and then we did some team building stuff and then the next day we went and went to some, uh, it's called Stony Ranch, like a high ropes course,
2: mm.
0: low ropes, high ropes, and spent the whole day out there. It exceeded my expectations. So
2: oh, great. It,
0: it's hard to be gone for a weekend for obvious reasons. But, mm. um, I, you know, Notre Dame ended up losing to Marshall that day, which I attribute to the fact that I didn't get to watch the game.
1: Probably. Mm. I heard that.
0: Coach Freeman has reached out and asked if something weird happened last weekend. And, <laughs> uh, so they won this weekend. Cause they I was did. Able to, yeah. 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 So,
1: congrats. Thank you. We're excited to see what you bring back. Yeah, thanks. To teach us all. You're like,
0: that was a really boring explanation of leadership planning. Mm
1: -hmm. I did junior leadership when I was in high school. I think it's like for high schoolers in Salina, Kansas. So, Mm. it was nice, riveting, I'm sure. Um, I don't remember a thing I learned, but (laughs) it was good at the time.
0: (laughs) This is probably something you would want to consider. The the year has started off well, and I'm excited about what's ahead.
1: Great. Okay, so let's get into – the scripture. So I,
0: I have a question for you. Yes. Do you. Do you agree with my premise that most people, even if you're not Christian, know something about the Good Samaritan and the prodigal son?
1: Definitely the Good Samaritan. I think probably, prodigal son. Probably Good Samaritan, but I don't know about the prodigal son, though. I think here's what I think people say, oh, he's a prodigal, but they don't know. Mm-hmm. Like they know, it's, and it's almost one of those things like, I should know. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, I should know what it is, but I think I know mm-hmm. what it is, but I don't know exactly. Mm-hmm. But they know just enough to say, reference it. But Good Samaritan, I think people
0: definitely know right. that story. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Two of Jesus' greatest hits.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. Okay. So um, you read the scripture, and I love that you were very good at saying uh, you describe the younger brother versus the older brother by using the phrase from their perspective, and then you go on to say things. Mm-hmm. So, how does that also influence how we read the story and other scripture? How does experience come into play when we read scripture?
0: <laughs> so, I, I started by saying that prodigal son's my favorite of his stories. Some of the parables, some of the like agrarian parables, I can't really relate to. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I'm, I didn't grow up in a farming community. I don't know if, I mean, you're from an agricultural state, but I mean, some of those are so contextual to first century
2: mm-hmm.
0: that it's hard to sometimes wrap your head around, you know, like even the mustard seed. Somebody has to explain to me why. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. by the faith of the size of a mustard seed? Because mustard seeds are very small, and they grow into a big bush. Like you, that requires a lot of explanation. Mm-hmm. So, with the Good Samaritan, um, and certainly with the, the Prodigal, I do think we identify with one or the other of the brothers. T- usually, because mm-hmm. either, you know, the younger son obviously goes and and uh, is recklessly wasteful. It's the mm-hmm. definition of prodigal, the first definition, of prodigal, in American Heritage Dictionary, and does this very hurtful thing where he demands his inheritance and. and goes I mean like he's the, like the center like the one the wayward one either you identify with that or you identify with the person who did not do that, and even coming through i don't know if this happened to you last week, but even coming through the line after the service, I mean most of us identify with the older son
2: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> or
0: that's what we admit to yeah right whether or not we actually uh, identify with the younger son, but our own personal experience af- affects who we identify with in any biblical story, but especially in the uh especially in, in the prodigal. And so we bring our own stuff with us into the reading of these stories, like our own baggage, our own history.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And what I love about so much of scripture, but especially the stories about Jesus, is he does a really good job of, like he kind of steps on toes with not without being obvious about it. Yeah. Right? And so... The, the more you sit with a story or the more you hear a story, especially the one with the product. Like we could do a five-week series on this. We could do For sure. from the younger's perspective, from the older's perspective, from the father's perspective, from the tax collector's and sinner's perspective, and from the scribes and Pharisees' perspective, mm-hmm. right? But it's just one of those stories that's so resonant that we bring our own our own experiences, our own assumptions, our own biases to it, with us to the story. And I think it's really important to deconstruct that because I think that's what Jesus intended. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm the younger in my family, but I definitely am the elder brother in the way of, like, pretty much my whole life, I've always followed the rules, mm-hmm. didn't create any, like, chaos for, for my parents, like, at all. In fact, I feel like I probably overcompensated <laughs> for my brothers that did chaos. Um, and so part of me is like, gosh, that younger brother, what? I can't believe he did that. But then here's the beautiful thing about it is that we all are probably the elder brother at some point in our life. We're also the younger brother, mm-hmm. like. That's why, again, the story is so good because mm-hmm. um, you're not always probably one. Mm-hmm.
0: But what do you think about my, the premise? My premise is that Jesus actually is not calling us to identify with either one of the no, brothers. No, he's
1: not. No. It's, yeah, it's the Father that, yeah.
0: And I think, I mean, I had a lot of people tell me yesterday they had never really thought of it that way. Like mm-hmm. they, they had never really considered, you alluded to this, mm-hmm. but you did it in, in a more subtle way, kind of more tangential way about what the church should do, who the church should welcome. Yes. That's different. I mean, that's a broader perspective. That's a collection of us Yeah, that can probably act more magnanimously as a collection mm-hmm. than individually. And I think the fact that we name this the parable of the prodigal son probably does a disservice mm-hmm. to what Jesus was intending. Um, but it's so much part of our, our vocabulary. That's, that's always the one we focus on. He's the designated patient mm-hmm. and the dad is the offended parent yep. and the brother is just kind of a complicated subject who we probably identify with Mm -hmm. but when we identify with him it's because we don't read it closely enough yeah right like if we if i had done a whole week just on the older son i would have i would have pointed out the fact that the younger brother repented before he came back like it's not the father's not enabling anything because he is he has asked forgiveness like he's not he's not wanting to do it again Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's not wanting more money when The older brother gets just really disrespectful with his father. His father doesn't react angrily. Mm -hmm. He calls him son. And he says, all that I have is yours. Like, I'm not giving him anything else. Yeah. Is the implication there. Yeah. And so, um, the other thing that's genius about this story is the father gets the last word. And so we don't know how either one of the boys proceed from, from that point. We don't know if the older brother goes in and, you know, forgives and forgets with his younger brother, um, we have to kind of work that out ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's been no, interesting. It's a, such a great story. Um, I would say probably growing up, I only really focused on the younger son. Didn't really talk about the elder son. I didn't realize that he <laughs> did not respond right either. I just so focused on like, look, <laughs> again, it kind of goes to like how we can rank sins or rank like bad decisions. Uh-huh. Like, well, I mean, he was just, elder son was just rude. So it's not that big of a
0: deal. Uh-huh, right.
1: But the younger son, look what he did. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, there's so many layers in this story, uh-huh. <laughs> in this story. But you're right. The focus is, okay, well, what does a father do? And I think you bring in some really great quotes for that. But before we get into that, so how do you explain to someone that God is just but also forgiving? <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> like, I don't think there needs to be a but after that. Okay. Right? I mean, that's the whole point of grace is that we don't deserve it. So... A just God, like, there's all kinds of big theological concepts that we st- step all over. Fairness and justice are two different things. Okay. God's justice and the way God sees the world is not the way we see the world. We think that everything needs to be even, Stephen. There's a great illustration of this. You know, back when the George Floyd stuff was going on, there's the, the kids who were looking over the fence, fence. at a baseball game. Yeah. Fair, is they're all the same height uh, on this stool, mm-hmm. but the shorter ones don't get to see over the fence and the taller ones do. Yep justice is a taller is a taller stool for the shorter kid so that everybody gets to see the game right that's the difference but that's the difference between the, between the two concepts of fairness and justice and so like part of the ethical universe in which we live as christians is that grace and repentance are very closely closely related like god is always offering us that unconditional love part of our response is to is to repent which means to turn and to like to turn around and go a different direction, which is literally what the prodigal son does in this story. Like he literally does that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we don't serve, we don't love and serve a capricious God. A capricious God would, uh, like Meredith's children's time was brilliant because she brought this out kind of perfectly. Was, you're sorry. That's what you did was really too bad. Yeah. So I, you're not forgiven. Like that's, that's not the way God works. So justice and forgiveness are, are, They work hand-in-glove, I would say.
1: Okay, so you shared a quote from... Beecher. It is Beecher. Okay, what is the quote that you shared?
0: We never know the love of a parent until we become parents ourselves.
1: Okay.
0: We never know the love of a parent until we become parents ourselves. It's impossible. It's one of those experiential things. Now, it was important for me to say if you've never had kids uh, if you because you can't or you choose not to or you have or you've been trying and haven't yet i'm not trying to diminish mm-hmm. your like i know you know how much your parents love you i'm just saying from an experiential yeah. perspective and certainly from my own perspective like the way you love your spouse is different than the way you love your kids it's just totally different like, uh, like i couldn't love Whitney more than i do but the boys like it's just a whole different category it's like um somebody explained it one time um, actually maybe even to me, <laughs> like I, when we were thinking about having a second child, I'm like, gosh, I don't know. I
1: don't know if I could love this kid as much. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and she said, well, it's not pie. <laughs> like you're not dividing mm-hmm. a, a finite amount. It's a whole second pie. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. It's a whole different pie. Yeah. I
0: thought, man, that's a really beautiful way to express that. So I think he's right about that. I think So we never know the love of a parent until we become parents ourselves. I think that is part of the reason that neither of these two brothers can understand how their father's going to react to them. Or why the father, in the case of the older brother, why the, old, why the father reacted the way he did to the younger brother. And there was another one that I cut from Annie Lamott or from Anne Lamott uh, that I had in the first draft. I took it out because it was just, it was probably just an extra quote. But she said, there really are places in the heart you don't even know exist until you love a child. Mm, yeah. <laughs> My God, that's so true. And that doesn't, you know, that's not limited to parenthood. Yeah. Right. Any child in your life, you just it's, it's a different, it opens your heart up in ways that you can't imagine until it happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't comprehend until you become a parent yourself. So I love that you talk about how the younger son assumes he can only return as a servant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he doesn't understand. I thought that was really interesting.
0: And, there, and there's a really cynical way to read this story. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody, people who identify with the older brother, like, well, he knows his dad's not going to treat him as a servant. Like he's just saying that. He's just being manipulative. Okay. You Ever heard anybody say that? No. <laughs> really? So I have <laughs> okay. in Bible studies. Like, yeah, he knows his death. Not gonna. I mean, but if you take the te- the text on its face,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it seems pretty clear that's that's what he desires. Yeah. That he that he thinks that's what he deserves. Yeah. And maybe on some level does deserve that, but he's only halfway through his spiel when his father interrupts him. Like he, he didn't even he's not even interested in hearing it anymore. Like he he get, I get it. You're sorry. Great. You're home now. Yeah. So then he immediately starts talking to the servants. That's oh gosh, this story is so great. And we should say it's uh, if anybody wants to read it, it's Luke fifteen eleven to thirty two. Yes, Luke fifteen eleven to thirty two.
1: So I do think people probably view God as this very conditional. Something about our status can get demoted, <laughs> or like there's some mm-hmm. sort of demotion if we do certain things, or or whatnot. How do you think people? I mean, have you met people? that have viewed God that way or have viewed themselves that way? Like, well, I can't ever be.
0: Oh so, God, hundred percent. Yeah.
1: So how, how is that the wrong picture of God and how should you not think of yourself like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. So the point of grace is that it's the, un, the unconditional, unearned, unearnable and unlosable love of God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so sure. There are people who have, um, Who've done, th- who've done things they so deeply regret that they assume God can't love them anymore. God must not love them anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they may have come from a theological tradition that had that kind of scorekeeping, which is not healthy and definitely not Methodist. Or they've internalized that message somewhere along the way, unhealthy patterns in family of origin or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that is exactly not the way God looks at us. And the Rembrandt that we showed at the end I love that painting because it shows, if you identify with the older child, uh, older son, what do you? how do you picture the younger son?
1: Pretty, like, what, just remorseful? Or, like, what do you mean?
0: So, do you picture him as the spoiled brat who got what he deserves and comes home? Because the Rembrandt shows him as a totally defeated. Yeah. On his knees, beaten down, uh, un- malnourished.
1: Yeah. I think probably before probably as a brat privilege kind of but then honestly after i, I thought about my sermon when i was preparing mm-hmm. thinking about how broken and how he thought oh my gosh like, who am i like how, what have i become and mm-hmm. um just feeling like probably pretty unworthy mm-hmm. at that time and that's why the father's embrace is like no you are worthy mm-hmm. like yeah so i think it's changed mm-hmm. recently
0: yeah i think it's not i think it's not uncommon for people who identify with the older brother, who, by the way, has not laid eyes on his little brother
2: yeah, at any point mm-hmm. in the story, Mm-mm. right?
0: So he, he doesn't see how he's returned.
2: Yeah.
0: He's, who, who knows what he's assumed. Like, he, he, this is the playboy who went off and squandered daddy's money. Like, mm-hmm. why, yeah. why should I have any sympathy for him? If you would have seen him the way Rembrandt portrayed him, yeah. he might have felt differently. I do love the line, and I think you brought this up last week, when he came to himself, Yeah, he said... Like, I I just, I love that phrase Mm -hmm. because he remembered, like, that's about remembering identity and, um, really rich.
1: It's like Simba Mufasa,
0: right? (laughs) Yes. Except he had to have Rafiki help him out. Yeah.
1: And I, I mentioned, I think in my 11 o'clock sermon, but you, you mentioned it about even the way the brother talks about and says your son, not, not my brother.
0: The son of yours.
1: I'm like, (laughs) oh,
0: But then the father says, mm-hmm. "This brother of yours." Yeah, <laughs> he like, doesn't. He doesn't let him keep distancing. Yeah,
1: no. Even this morning, my Monday morning, we were talking about how everyone. One, we were talking about how everyone has the image of God, but that how everyone is is worthy of like dignity and respect and all of that, and it just makes me sad how many people, whether family origins or whatever, think, "Well, no, I'm, I'm not worth anything, mm-hmm. or I don't have anything to offer, or I." That thing that happened to me, like, I deserved that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, gosh, what an awful way to live. So, yeah, just made, reminded me of
0: that. <laughs> There's a great line in Unforgiven. You ever seen Unforgiven? Uh-uh. Great Western. Oh, my God. It's Clint Eastwood and uh, Morgan Freeman and Richard Harris is in it and Gene Hackman. Okay. It's so good. It's early 90s. But he's, uh, his line is, deserves got nothing to do with it. Now, in his case, it's because he's about to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. This guy yeah. Gene Hackman's character. Um, but I, I love that phrase cause that's true. That's way, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the way grace works.
1: Yeah. Even the word just deserve is kind of weird. Like, well, I deserve this, mm. whether it's good or mm-hmm. bad. Right. It just can get really problematic uh, really yeah. fast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Except when I want to like treat myself and I had a bad day, like, well, I deserve mm-hmm. this ice cream. I feel like it's okay then I earned it. Sure. <laughs> Whatever.
0: Hey, ice cream. You never you don't have to earn ice cream. It's like grace. Yeah. Ice cream's always good. Ice cream is always good. <laughs> and more uh, is always
1: better. Uh, ice cream is like Grace. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Downey.
0: Yeah. Hey, tagline. <laughs>
1: Put on a t-shirt. It's
0: a way to promote the podcast.
1: <laughs> I love it. Also. <laughs> okay, I love the Swedish proverb you shared. I know. Isn't read that great? That. And I think I have, well, I've, in all the parenting things I read, Yeah. like when it's like, how do you deal with your toddler's like tantrum? Yeah. And um, so, but read it.
0: So it's uh, love me when I least deserve it. Because that is when I really need it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's like advanced—that's advanced parenting. Yeah, but that's also um, it's advanced relationship skills.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: there's too much of for me. I'll speak for me. Too much of life is scorekeeping, <laughs> mm-hmm. and like that's that's a terrible way to be in a relationship with your romantic partner. It's a terrible way to to um, parent your children, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I, I think. As pastors, you, you do a lot of pastoral care, a lot, and it shows up in lots of different ways. And what the what the father um, does not require, it's his love is not dependent upon what his kids do, and it's not dependent upon how much they show their love for him. Mm, yeah. And it's that second one that gets really, really. I mean, in theory, we all know that we love our children no matter what, but there are plenty of fraught situations in families where parents don't feel like their kids are showing them enough affection or like doing like and so i don't know if it's a human tendency maybe it's a result of our fallen state that we withhold affection or love or attention or whatever as a punishment but man that is a toxic way to live so that that swedish uh that's and it's certainly toxic toxic to relationships so this notion that when I least deserve it, it's when I most need it is self-evidently true and it's something that we should remind ourselves of. Because in the, the brilliance of the story is both of the, <laughs> both of the boys are acting terribly. Mm-hmm. Terribly. And whatever the feelings the older brother has about his younger brother, many of which would be legitimate. I mean, you know, as somebody who, I'm an Enneagram one, fairness and justice is a big thing. It's easy to conflate those two things. Right? It's not the same, but it's easy to conflate the two. Still, he'd tell your father, listen, I've been around him forever.
1: You can. It just won't go well. My God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Jesus knew what he was doing.
1: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I'm, since my kids are younger, I'm dealing with, like, high emotions or tantrums, you know. And Jude, our middle son, is much more. He's our sensitive, like, soft. And so, like, when he, he's got too much, like, we have found— that's when we say, do you need a hug? And we pick him up, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> and yesterday, it was a couple of days ago, he was having a moment, and Scott was like, do you have a lot of feelings? He's like, yeah. Go, are you angry? No. And are you sad? No. And, and then he's like, are you happy? He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what happy means? <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I think um, it's so true when people – I'm I'm married to an Enneagram one, and I know that he's already beating himself up in his head with his inner critic. And so, like, he doesn't need me to just pile it on. Mm -hmm. Like, what he needs is me to be Mm -hmm. loving and encouraging and and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And remind people that sometimes people are doing the best they can. Well, that's the other thing. I
0: think most of the time people are doing the best they can. Yeah.
1: And so to be like, well, you're still not measuring it. Like, oh my gosh, people are, some people are hanging by a thread.
0: And then, so did you bring this up last week? He goes out to meet them both,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: he goes Mm -hmm. to meet them.
1: I didn't, I didn't say that he went out to go meet the older brother. So, I, I, I missed that, honestly. So, it was, I'm glad you brought he's it up. He's
0: pouting outside. Mm-hmm. He's, he's angry, you know. And his dad's like, come on. And that's when he says, listen.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Whew. Um, you kind of already addressed us so that the father figure is not an enabler to the younger son. He's not.
0: And he's not an enabler because the, the younger son has not given – first of all, he, he's not going to – continue to give him money to go squander. Mm -hmm. That's not in the story. It's clear that the younger son is remorseful Mm -hmm. and is asking for forgiveness. I mean, that is repentance. And he hasn't said, like, there's a line that we often miss. All that I have is yours. Mm -hmm. What that means is, everything that I own is going to you now because your little brother already got his. Mm -hmm. So it's a subtle way of the father telling the older brother, relax. Mm-hmm. You're not missing out on anything because I've welcomed him home. And I think this is where justice and fairness get twisted. We have this view of the world, theologically, that if I have more, you have less. And if you have more, I have less. Mm-hmm. And that's just not... I mean, that's, that model is called the scarcity model. And it's what most of us operate under. Mm-hmm. Just, and I don't know why that is, actually. I don't know if it's because of our fallen state. I don't know if it's because... We live in a hyper-competitive, individualistic culture, but there's this notion that if you're getting something, I must not be getting it. And the dad at the end very subtly turns it on its head, and we—I think we miss that every time. All that I have is yours. He's back now, so what are you even talking about? Of course, we're gonna have a party. Tell me to listen again. <laughs> Jerk, I'm in your tail. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: but I just—yeah, the father does such. It's so wonderful the way that, yeah, he's like, look, you're not losing anything. Like, I'm, I'm going to love you all. I can love, I can love you both. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's such a good picture of like God, like, no, God can love literally everyone. (laughs) That's what, what God does.
0: Even if you don't think God, even even if you don't think they're worthy. Mm -hmm. And the lead here, not to bury the lead, is that we don't get to decide who's worthy. That's God's, that's God's job.
1: Yeah. So yeah, uh, toward the end, you said, we're really good at judging ourselves and each other, while God, on the other hand, is really good at loving us, mm-hmm. which seems obvious, but why is this really important to recognize?
0: <laughs> so the two great commandments are love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. And we often miss that as ourselves. And I think depending on how you're wired, your personality and your upbringing and everything else. A lot of people that I know are pretty hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. And the way that often shows up is deflecting the pain of that self-judgment by judging others, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Neither of which, that is, which is precisely the opposite of what we're supposed to do in the second great commandment. Love our neighbor as ourselves. Instead, we judge ourselves and then we judge others. And God comes from a paradigm that's entirely opposite. So what the older brother in the story is pointing out is this tendency to judge. Yeah. And as the metaphor for God and the parable, the Father is is showing us that what we tend to do is precisely the opposite of what we should be doing, and we can be confident in doing what God wants us to do because that's the way God views us. You know, it's all pretty tightly wound together.
1: So, in general, how does this story? I kind of skipped it before. How does this story influence how you love your boys?
0: It's easy to see, like sibling rivalry, is something that is so hard to it's like you can't you can't parent Mm -hmm. sibling rivalry away Mm -hmm. right it's going to be there no matter what and so what you see with great clarity that if you got to pick the show today that doesn't mean that you're the favorite it just means it was your (laughs) turn right
2: um
0: i know you think the younger one is getting to do all these things that you didn't get to do at his age but you had the privilege of doing them first like you're just in different like it's all it's all very complicated but i think it's it's just our job to love them as they are and it's so hard as a parent not to compare the two so hard because in your mind what's a point of reference for you like when the older one was this age was he was he like like was this Mm -hmm. something that was common not because I'm judging what he's doing but I'm trying to like the older one's not doing that anymore and so Mm -hmm. um, parenting's hard I
1: think it's a breeze I think it's so easy so the
0: answer is to have a third
1: Yeah. And then just be like, what did we do? So tired. Um, But no, I think this story, going back to how people don't know maybe their worth or that they are deserving, I think often it does start with the messages of parents. Mm -hmm. And so I read The Prodigal Son and I'm like, oh, gosh, I really hope my children know that no matter what they do, that they're always going to be loved and they can come home no matter what they do. And I just wish people... More people had that um, and knew that and that they knew that this God is one that absolutely forgives and isn't going to bring back the past and say, but you remember when you did this and then I was good to you? (laughs) Like, hold it over your head.
0: Yeah, because our image of God is very much tied to our, the way we were parented. (laughs) I mean, inescapably. And so that's a lot of pressure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a wee bit. Um, Yeah, I love this story. I feel like, again, we could do a five-week sermon series on this.
0: Yeah, there's so much here.
1: Any other things that were on the cutting room floor or anything else?
0: Um, well, you want to share? that's the fun fact at the end that people don't often realize. Yeah, say it. That prodigal means both recklessly wasteful and profuse in giving, exceedingly abundant. You can make a strong case that this is actually the case, the parable of the prodigal father.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Prodigal in the second definition of exceedingly abundant. I just think it's really cool that both those Eng- English words work for yeah. the two. I mean, the older brother is one of the three main characters, but the story very much focuses on the prodigal and his yeah. dad. So good oh, stuff. On the
1: English language. So easy to learn. <laughs> We're going to make them two opposite, but they mean the same. That's good stuff. Yeah.
0: All right. So what's ahead? Next week is uh, Zacchaeus, yes. that wee little man. We are definitely singing that song at children's time. For sure. And then the week after that is World Communion Sunday. And then it's a wild card for you. Have you picked out what you're going to preach yeah, on? On the 9th. Yeah, I
1: remember, I'm going to talk about
0: shame. Oh, shame. Okay, <gasps> good. Good. How to avoid it, how to overcome it.
1: Yeah. Or I'm just going to preach, uh, give a lot of people shame. Yeah. I hope and just pile on Very shamey. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, did you, did you look in the mirror before you walked yeah. out dressed like that this morning? Oh, like what you're that. You'd be like, Triumph the insult uh, comic dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: I saw your Facebook this week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Fair this weekend.
0: And it is the Christ United Fair. So, Ashley, tell us about the Christ United Fair. The
1: Christ United Fair, our second annual... Christ United Fair is gonna be directly after services on Sunday. We will have food trucks, we will have the pumpkin patch open really and ready to about go. That. We're gonna have lots of games and different stuff for kids and families, places to sit, good food. It's gonna be something what are some not of the food trucks? Uh, we have this waffle like waffle chicken and waffles. Chicken one. and waffles, wow. Waffleicious. Wow. And then we have this Italian one. Yum. Yeah. Wow. That were big hits at other other events. Highly rated.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people can buy pumpkins. What else can they do?
1: Uh, There's also a service component. So uh, we're putting together some teacher appreciation for um, teachers at Frankfurt. And so you can help put this together and then also sign up to be part of mentoring or helping or maybe to go deliver them. So kind of just telling our community and our church, like, hey, this is how you can get involved. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, it's going to be real fun. And then the week after that, we're doing a town hall. Yep. Just kind of update people on what's going on with the Submit Our church your, and the church.
1: Submit your questions in advance online. Please do. In lieu of a long Q&A.
0: Yes, so that we can <laughs> answer as many questions as possible, as efficiently as possible, because that meeting's during the lunch hour, and we're going to go to lunch afterwards. Don't <laughs> want any hangry questions <laughs> at 1255. They're 12 all going
1: to starving. cmc.com slash connect.
0: Connect. Excellent. All right, y'all. We'll be back next week with another episode of Off Script. God bless you.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Off Script. It was hosted by Rev. Chris Dowd and Rev. Regan Gilliland. Produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.